This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, two-man booth today. We pushed it back a day. We had some conflicts with the schedule. The main one was that Brian Kelly, the Kelly Cares Foundation golf outing, was at Law Students Gold uh, Golf Club in uh, Bridgman, Michigan, on Monday. So we wanted to include the interview and the conversations, the topics of conversation with him from Monday. And Tim, we had... We had quite a bit to talk about, actually. You put the story together, the notes page yesterday. Where do you want to start? It's kind of, I think the real news was that Sean Crawford, he said, with you asked the question, with certainty, can you say he'll be on the, he'll be a fifth-year player on your roster? And he said, yes, with certainty. Now, there is no certainty for someone like Sean Crawford or any other graduate because they can always make their decision to leave. But that is really good news for the program. I think it's, this is my personal opinion, I think it's, Good news for Sean Crawford because I can't think of a better scenario than possibly starting or playing nickel for a playoff contender at this stage of his injured career. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's irrelevant to anybody else. And but if I he's, just, you know, know, I mean, if he's and he probably wants to play on a full time basis like most kids would, coming back from three significant injuries, and he could very yeah. well, as you you pointed out. But uh, you know, if he's if he's healthy, completely healthy, and he looks pretty good, there's some video out there where he looks good. I don't completely trust that because you got to do it in pads and everything. But if he is healthy, he's their nickel. I, I mean, I don't think there's much, there isn't much doubt about that. Now, I think he's, I thought that he had lost a step after the second uh, major injury, which was the Achilles. But now that's a, that's a, he's another year removed from that. ACLs are fairly common now. Drew Tranquil recovered from those and everybody's knees are different. But they need him. Not everyone's a robot, right? Right, right exactly. Yeah. Right. They need, yeah, like Tranquil is. Uh, they need him. Um, it, you know, now let me just say this. No, it sounds like Notre Dame wasn't really aware of his conversations beyond the Notre Dame football program. Right, that we were aware of. <laughs> that you had you had found out about and we discussed right. on a podcast. Right, exactly. They don't, but, I don't think they were shocked by hearing that, though, either, as opposed to not being aware that yeah, it happened. I, I would agree. And so... Um, Brian Kelly, I guess, was definitive and said with certainty, uh, since I phrased the question that way, and so that's that's a good thing. Now, I think, talk about uncertainty, that's Kevin Austin. Yeah, there's it, just been so much smoke regarding <laughs> Kevin Austin. I mean, it was pretty clear this time around in the spring, we were able to just ask Chip Long and Brian Kelly about it because we've been through the Stefferson thing and we've been through the Dexter Williams thing. So at, at some point they know, all right, we got to talk about this. There's still no certainty as to what has been done wrong, but it's obvious something has been done wrong. And it was clear when he just simply couldn't get a first team rep because all guys that are any good get first team reps in the spring. They rotate everybody through. But for Brian Kelly to say, we're not at the position where we can have a conversation about him being in the first game. That, that that's that's, that's the biggest smoking gun there is. You know, I, you and I laughed about it. It was at least a month ago in one of our podcasts where I, I don't even remember exactly what I said, but I threw out the possibility that Kevin Austin might not be there to answer the bell at the start of the season. I wasn't as definitive as I'm saying it right now, and nobody responded to it. But the reason we didn't go further into it was because we didn't know the details, and I don't know that we really know anymore. I still don't know. We don't really know the details. But I will say this. The problem with the the timing, not there's no problem with this. It's when the golf tournament was. The timing of an early June thing is the injury updates are not that much different than they would have been last month because they haven't reported yet, or they just reported this right. weekend. There's been no workouts. You're not supposed to have the guys that were shelved for all of spring, including mid-April, be 100% in June right now anyway. So they don't know about those. 
And guys like McKinley and Austin, who are in some sort, well, we know what McKinley's issue is, but someone in, in disciplinary action, that has not been sorted out before the summer semester starts either. So he needs a golf outing in late July. We can talk to him, but then that's the, yeah, that's the key. <laughs> well, he'll be golfing. I don't know whether it'll be an actual outing or not, but he'll, he'll probably be golfing. And eh, maybe that's getting a little close to August. But uh, now is the time, obviously, for the coaches to have an opportunity to to really get away. Because I mean, recruiting has recruiting goes throughout the entire spring now, and and those guys were on the on the road. I don't know how they do it twelve months a year, but they do it. Uh, but with with Kevin Austin, I you know we have a question in segment two about. You know what we think about whether he'll be ready to start the season. Personally, I, I, and you know, you mentioned in the spring, this goes back, of course, to the end of November when he didn't make the last two trips of the the yeah, regular season. That, that's not a small thing. It, it was no. He, he was reinstated to the football team because he was well, he was available to talk to the media during uh, Cotton Bowl preparation. So he had been reinstated. He wasn't a big part of it at that point of the team, you, you knew he wasn't going to play a big part in that when you've been taken off the team for two weeks right. and you're clinching it. He's not going to all of a sudden be the guy, the go-to guy. Not to mention they spent the whole December talking about how we're bringing in a different freshman to be part of the rotation. So I don't. I think the Kevin Austin stuff's going to have to play out. I don't think we're going to get <laughs> – there's just going to be a lot more rumors, which we have rumors of. Um, the McKinley situation for me is interesting in that I never felt that Javon McKinley – mattered if he was back on the team. I thought it would just be a nice thing for him not to be kicked off the team. However, well, however, it seems like they kind of need him to be part of the team. And I, I feel like just McKinley could be ahead of these four sophomores in September just because if it clicks for him, he's game ready, he's big, he's strong, he's mature, and obviously if he's on the team, he would be focused. Otherwise, they wouldn't let him on the team. Well, and he's a W. Which yes, is, well, that's which, true. Which, is, yeah. which <laughs> is where they where specifically where they would would need a backup if you don't have Austin. So, uh, and he closed, you know, he closed the spring by the accounts that were given to us. He closed the spring strong after his suspension and in recovery from an injury. That'd be a heck of a story from Javon <laughs> Kinley because remember, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was in trouble going into this year. He just wasn't playing. Right. All of a sudden right. you get in trouble and then you bounce back from all right. of it and play. That would yeah. Be- and you know, the clock's running on there, his yeah. eligibility too. So, uh, it, it sounds like he will be okay. Uh, Although, I mean, Brian Kelly didn't specifically confirm that. Uh, but we suspect that he'll be, he will be, like on it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be on the team. I do want to jump back to Kevin Austin. This is a quote from Brian Kelly the week of the USC game when he hadn't made the trip for the Syracuse game and then subsequently didn't go to USC. His quote was, he's cleared to play. He was cleared to play last week, too. It was a coach's decision not to bring him. And then they didn't bring him again. And they didn't bring yeah. him again. So I don't know if that adds any clarity. That probably muddles it even Further and and you know I mean okay so what what what's the laundry list of things that this could be that's keeping him out? You don't have to use your imagination. I mean it's academics or or some extracurricular activities without an arrest. Without an arrest. Without an yeah. arrest. Yeah. Um, the finer point on McKinley, if you just want to use logic as a fan of Notre Dame, guy that has never made a catch going into his senior year that gets arrested in the spring when you're over the scholarship limit by four and he's still <laughs> on the survive? team. You survive? You yeah. survive. He was the easiest guy to kick off the team ever and he was not kicked off yeah. the team. No, that's, <laughs> so that says something about Javon McKinley. It does. I, no, it does. I, I think does. very positively. Uh, I asked about J.D. Uh, Bertrand and, and, and Maris Leofau and Brian Kelly definitely danced around it, but they are going to be, whereas there was some question as to whether specifically Leofau as to whether he would be on the roster this fall. 
they both are. The question is scholarship or not. I think we both anticipate that they will both be on scholarship this fall. Yeah, and I, I, sadly, I think it could tie into a medical um, going into August. But that doesn't have to come to play if, I mean, look, it's it's June 5th. Guys are normally have some decision to leave the team when they realize they aren't going to play during summer workouts in the summer. Someone can get kicked off the team. Right. But really, just the way Brian Kelly has talked about Trevor Ruland is he is clearly a medical candidate if he can't make it back and show them that he can play. Because, look, Trevor Ruland is now your third center, because Josh Lugg, I think it's fair to say they like Josh Lugg enough, a healthy Josh Lugg over an ailing Trevor Ruland that they've passed him. Trevor Rulin, who's going to be your first guard off the bench, is now your second guard off the bench because of Josh Lugg. Guard is a position they have up-and-coming talent with some young guys you like. And nothing to say, if Rulin's healthy, he'll be on the squad. They're not going to make Trevor Rulin have a medical. But if he is not healthy, he is the number one candidate. for. He's the real candidate for medical because he's been injured a lot. He's, you know... Labrum tears, both shoulders, different springs, and then this year, the knee. It now, just adds up on the guy. Yeah, I mean, now he's been injured four months yeah. for, for going on half a year. Here's the quote from Brian Kelly yesterday. Rulin is still recovering. We'll have to see what his volume can be. That has to be something that plays itself out. Can he train at a level that allows him to play at a level necessary if he's called upon? We really don't know that right now. When he gets cleared to get back in, We're then going to find out that's going to evolve as we go into the summer and then maybe into camp. That would be the only one where we can't say one way or another. We were just talking about injured players in particular, although we never did quite address Jamie and Franklin or Hunter Spears. We'll have an opportunity next week to do that. We'll make sure that we do that. But it does not sound good uh, for Trevor Rulin as far as his health this fall. No, and I don't think it's necessarily a... (laughs) <laughs> a terrible thing for the offensive line because of the ascent of Lug and some other guys, but Ruland would have been a helpful guy if he was in good health, full strength in Georgia if you need a guy to come in off the bench, right? No doubt. That's, that, that, I mean, a guy that you know understands the offense completely, understands the moving parts around him. Has played against top-tier teams has, in a playoff has, chase. Yeah, you know, he, and no, just, a, I mean, he's a technician. He doesn't do it by size and strength because right. injuries have depleted him of that. He's a technician, and it's a loss. Hopefully he'll come back. Just talking to him in the spring, or talking to him last fall when he won that starting job, which at the time was from his roommate, not only teammate and friend, but roommate, Tommy Kramer. He basically said that before his first labrum injury, he was as strong lifting as anyone else on the team. And since that point, and that would be his sophomore, end of his sophomore year, since that point, he has only gotten back to that juncture of his career, right. his sophomore year strength. And that, that's just, a, that's hard As to make a, up. Right. As a fifth-year senior, right. that's, right. I, I imagine, pretty frustrating for him. Last thing in segment one, I think it was Samson that asked about uh, captains. Would it be six, seven, or eight, or six, or seven, or one or two? One or, or two, and Brian Kelly put that somewhere in between. Which makes sense. The six and seven was weird. Yeah, <laughs> well, especially the ones that walk yeah. on that. <laughs> you can't let that go. That kind of, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, he deserved it, but I'm not sure. actually remembering his name right now. Are you? You made me forget it. Austin uh, Webster. Austin Webster. Yeah. Um, one or two is unlikely, and I think one or two is unlikely. On, on It's a good thing that one or two is unlikely. There's too many candidates for one or two. Yeah, one or two is usually a... Like you know, when Harrison, unless it's Manti and Eifert, that's kind of cool because right. they were so obviously. Right. But you could have had Zach Martin that year too if you wanted to. That obviously. But when but, Harrison Smith was the lone captain, that was a bad thing. That was not yeah, a was, not that. Not, I mean, not Harrison, for him. So, yeah, <laughs> but, no, he totally deserved the honor, but that was a bad thing. 
Uh, it was reflective of where the team was leadership-wise. The interesting thing about the captaincy, and I think Pete followed up on it with Book. Oh, right, exactly, in Book. Is it too much to ask a quarterback nowadays at Notre Dame to be a captain, too? And I think Kelly was exactly right. It is definitely on an individual basis. Deshaun Kaiser was going to be a captain, although that is a little bit more of a, hey, how about you be a captain and come back, I think, going into the 2017 yeah. year. It's an odd, that was an odd captaincy choice from what we've heard yeah. after the 2016 season. I kind of, the way Kelly answered it, I don't believe Buck will be named captain. Well, I I mean, you're probably right. I don't think that it has to be a big deal. You don't, no, you I don't, don't think it's a big You don't deal. have to trot him out midweek every week like they did. They, we didn't do it last season, but they've been doing it with captains where they bring him in the middle of the day on Wednesdays, which basically interrupts our work day and makes it tough for us. <laughs> I was but, glad they didn't do that yeah, last week. I, yeah, I know, but it's a great opportunity, obviously, to to visit with the leaders of the team. But, I, you know, I mean, he doesn't – you don't have to make him commit to all the speaking obligations No, if you want to kind of uh, uh, mute that impact – of the quarterback being the captain. I mean, if you're going to have an offensive captain now, I believe it becomes Chris Fink. After what I had said a couple months ago that I didn't think it would, I thought Book would be over Fink. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree that it won't be Book based upon right. what he right, said right. yesterday. I mean, I think he was just kind of answering There's the question. There's so many defensive guys that could be captains, but you're not going to have four defensive captains and no offensive captains. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But Alohi Gilman, Jalen Elliott, Khalid Kareem, Julian Aquara doesn't scream captain to me, but he's the best player on the team. And he obviously is a little bit more mature coming out because of the spring interview we had where he gave a regular interview <laughs> as opposed to a I want to get the H out of here competitive right. interview. Right. Well, he might, if he were called upon on a weekly basis, yeah, he might get tougher, tired of yeah. that in 2019. It's easier when you're 12-0 and 0 than 4 and 8. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Okay, well, this and uh, many other topics in segment two, Burning Up the Boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question from Wash ND: What in the world is going on with DB recruiting this cycle? For all the good things going on recruiting-wise, the DB recruiting almost seems disorganized and not well thought out. Uh, I, I guess I kind of agree, or at least I agree that it looks that way, um, and <laughs> and probably will. I mean, to probably will end up that way because as much as I love Clark Phillips of third. Uh, out of California, I, d- I don't think that he's going to end up at Notre Dame, which is which is a, a bad break for Notre Dame because I think he's a he's a great quarterback. I think he's the best. As I look, I think he's the best available prospect uh, on the board that Notre Dame's after right now. Uh, but if you get him and or Lathan Ransom, yeah, then the apparent quote disorganization. Uh, of the the uh, defensive back recruiting it, it has settled, but I, you know, I don't think they're going to get Phillips. Or you know, I don't necessarily know they're going to get a ransom. And so I agree. Now, can you be can you be recruiting on all cylinders at every position in every recruiting cycle? Probably not. Um, but I, I would I would tend to agree. I don't think that they've done a great job of setting that up for and, success. And I think the one issue even. If you get one big name there is, if you get Ransom, you're still putting all your eggs 
in that basket. Whereas, yeah, and they need they need yeah. bodies. But I mean, they need a couple right. Back. They need a couple safeties, and they're you know they're probably going to end up stretching. I guess quote stretching on some three stars that they project to the the, the secondary, and it's not an ideal situation. Maybe we're a little spoiled by the. I mean, the great success that they've had up to this point by Notre Dame standards. In other positions. Yeah, here's the thing. So you have to say in a two-cycle situation, you figure Hamilton's going to hit, but are will two of Adjavon Wallace and Rutherford, and if two don't, you're behind the eight ball and you right. needed two this time. It's kind of like why when you got Pride, Love, and Vaughn, it's okay. Now, if Dante Vaughn was healthy, it would be okay that Julian Love left early because you brought these other guys along. Right. You, you do need more than one. Julian Love is, would be great no matter what, but you need more guys. And yeah. that DB is a numbers position. There is work to be done yeah. in uh, Notre Dame recruiting in the secondary. J.J. Elwine, recruiting has been stellar, but momentum has slowed a bit. Where do you foresee Notre Dame's next commitment, and how many top 100 recruits does Notre Dame sign currently at four? You know, next commitment, Xavier Watts. I know a lot of people are saying Nebraska, but it, it still could be him. It could be a 2021 guy, defensive lineman, 2021 guy. He'll be visiting here this week. Um, you know, Michael Carmody. Next I, week, right? Two weeks from now? Is that the camp? Uh, June 15th. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. right. He'll okay. be coming in then. Uh, Michael Carmody's probably coming in... Is it the third week mm-hmm. of June? I'm not sure what the latest is on that. I'm not sure how. I mean, he is listed as a four-star. He's number 94 um, on 24-7 sports list, 126 composite. Uh, I don't know if I would personally rank him that high. I, I wouldn't personally rank him that high, but I think he's a good football player. Skronsky was the guy that I wanted them to get on the interior. People are telling me that they are recruiting Carmody as a tackle. I'm not positive that he plays out there. Plus, back to the numbers game, it's more important to get eight top 100 recruits and not like all of them and be wrong on some because you got eight top 100 recruits. Right. That is really, I mean, as much as you can fall in love with the prospect and be right and you really have to get a guy like Kyle Hamilton, the numbers game is important. You, We could all be wrong on Kyle Hamilton. I doubt it, but if you had three Kyle, three guys just about as good as Kyle Hamilton, there's a very good chance you're not wrong. Man, if you're wrong on Kyle Hamilton... <laughs> yeah, we might as well quit evaluating We might as well things. forget <laughs> it. Yeah, and as you pointed out, uh, and Jordan Botello is a top 100 on 24-7 sports, but not composite. Riley Mills is is just outside of the top 100 They could easily both. join after their senior year. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think Botello, especially now that he's committed to Notre Dame, People are going to have eyes on him more than they would have uh, right, coming out right. of Hawaii, and he'll show. I mean, he'll, yeah. he'll he'll show well. He showed well as a junior. He'll show well as a senior. But you know, will they have currently at four? Will they have many more than that? You know, maybe not. Probably not. Um, you wouldn't think you're going to get a dropout though of the four guys in. That's no, yeah. no, I wouldn't. If anything, you know, Batello and Mills will yeah, be included in that. So yeah, but as far as Players that are uncommitted right now that end up being top 100s that come to Notre Dame, I'm not sure. That... Which is the real question, because if these guys are already in the fold, right. who cares if they're right, 104 exactly. or I 98? Think, I think yeah. that's what the question is. Swarbrick for Prez, his question is, has your outlook on Sean Crawford's impact on the team this year changed after watching his workout video? His agility and lateral movements appeared encouraging. Also, a fully healthy Crawford could be the difference between a 9-4 and four season or 11-2 and two finish. Do you agree? I agree that a fully healthy Crawford makes a game difference or so. Um, and it can, you know, it's hard to put more than one game on any individual player, but it, it changes the nickel. They don't have to 
Not that this wouldn't work, but they don't have to necessarily drop Jalen Elliott to nickel and make sure Kyle Hamilton's ready in the first couple weeks to fill in at safety. They don't have to continue to try guys at nickel that, look, Avery Davis could develop into a fine college player, but I don't want to see Avery Davis at the nickel in Athens. I don't think it's human. I think it's too much to ask him as a quarterback turned running back turned defensive back to go out there and help you compete for a playoffs against the top teams. But Sean Crawford, if healthy, and I want to go back to when Sean Crawford was healthy. In 2017, for about a month, Sean Crawford made more plays than anyone on that defense. He was remarkable at Boston College and helped save the game, helped win the game at Michigan State. He was forcing fumbles, intercepting passes, breaking up passes, and undercutting routes to the point where... Sure, guy quarterbacks can miss. You know it's a lot easier to miss when Sean Crawford is just underneath your guy and you got to make a perfect pass rather than when there's a free release and someone's open on a 10-yard out. So mm-hmm. Crawford healthy. I think Crawford admitted, hey, I, I wore down. You wear down when you've been injured. The third injury is not going to help. Yeah. He's probably going to wear down again unless they can give him some help. But healthy Sean Crawford for a while. I guess if he shelved for a game, that's fine. <laughs> you know, around a bye week, it's he will definitely help the team. A healthy, healthy. Yeah, I and and I don't think we saw the Sean, we did not see the Sean after the second injury. He was a playmaker, but he wasn't the stick all over the guy. No, where he used no. to just be draped on people. No, I mean it's important to have him back. He's he's your best nickel. If he's healthy, he's playing. I don't think there's any doubt about that. At nickel, fully healthy seems unlikely that he will be fully healthy. Yeah, I mean I don't really I don't really know what, what fully mean? healthy means anymore with Crawford. I mean, if you're comparing to the player he was, the athlete that he was when he came in. I don't think that's ever going to come back. Now, last year, they didn't have a legitimate nickel all season, and they didn't go 9-4. and four. Right, no, right. So, but there was, but, a, there was but, an issue yeah, with the nickel last year. No, there's year, no though. doubt, yeah. and there, there's no doubt. And you can't, I don't think you're going to go 12-0 two years in a row without a legitimate nickel. So they need that. As far as Avery Davis, and this is not, I'm not trying to be mean, but, but you know, we heard great things at, at quarterback, never saw it. We heard great things at running back, never saw it. We heard great things at slot back, never saw it. We heard promise in the spring about him and nickel, never saw it. A way harder position, too. Well, other than quarterback, yeah. but way harder position. Saw, to saw some things at corner, but I don't think we saw it at right. nickel, per nickel's, se. Nickel's a hard ask, man, for a, a there's young guy. No, <laughs> there, there, there's no doubt. So, I mean, I, I, I understand the spirit of the question, Um I don't know that it it causes them to go nine and four because, as you mentioned, Elliot might be um, yeah, somebody that they consider option. a viable option. Exactly. At Mason Plummer six, is there any news on who is looking likely to win the number three running back role? Will someone challenge Tony Jones Jr. for number two? I want to remind everybody because there was a question on our on our uh, message board this week about, hey, you're not telling us about how guys are progressing. They're not here. They're here now. They, they weren't just here. here. They yes. haven't been a team together, so there was nothing to report. So the, I mean, the question stands because now they're here. The 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 other the remaining well, freshmen it's, it's don't. Still a week early because they they just had a meeting basically. Right, 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 right. So <laughs> but, we can't answer that yet. And the other freshmen, June fifteenth weekend. June fifteenth yeah. is is when they report. But the question still stands: Is there any news on who's likely to win the number three when the spring ended? It looked like Jameer Smith. Yeah, I, I certainly thought it was Jameer Smith. He had more burst. You know, he lost 10 pounds, but he had more burst than I remembered. Sometimes when I watch a running back on film and I see big holes, I just kind of think to myself, anybody Notre Dame gets can run through this hole and do yeah. that. Uh, but Brian Kelly's pretty high on Jameer Smith. We saw him catch some passes. We saw him physical in some special teams drills. Uh, when Kelly says he'd rather run through you than around you, 
He said that's fine with him, and I agree. I don't think Jameer Smith should be running around too many people. Um, I think Tony Jones dances a little too much, and when he doesn't is when he has his yeah. best days, like against Vanderbilt. I think Smith was the number three ending the spring. It's got to be you got to be able to fight through injuries. I know they felt his was it hamstring lingered, but then Kelly took to say, I'm really proud of him for getting out there and fighting. Right. I think that's probably positive encouragement for a guy that maybe missed one extra practice. I believe I suggested after the blue goal game that maybe Jameer Smith could con- compete with Tony Jones Jr. for number two. I think a healthy Tony Jones Jr. is number two. I think he has to prove to the the, pro- the coaching staff and the program that he can stay healthy slash work his way through injuries and bounce back. Uh, but I think, you know, I mean, I, Jameer Smith had a really good blue goal game. That That was impressive, and we always say don't over estimate what happens in a blue goal game, but when you're competing for the number three spot and somebody needs to shine... And it's pretty open. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, yeah right. Everybody, yeah, it's wide open. He's uh, not taking it from Ricky Waters, right? There's no, no, exactly, yeah. and he shined on that day. So see, I, I, I wouldn't rule out Sebo Flemister. I think I think the situation's definitely fluid. We don't. There's no answer right now, specifically. And uh, just to round it out, the question going into the spring, does Kyron Williams have a different gear, a third gear? The answer is no, and I don't care because he has good feet and is strong. He doesn't need the third gear I never thought no, he had. I, I, I would agree. Right? I, yeah, I mean, he's not. He's probably not going to snap. He's not going to have a C.J. Procise type Yeah, that's fine. run he's... or a Josh Adams type run. Um, I like how he runs. I like his I running do, style. I do, I do. And the word out of the Nordham camp is that they, they like his attitude. They like his yeah. competitive nature. He came in as an early entry freshman and competed and... and Looked like he belonged with the rest of the group, so it's a fluid situation. Yeah. That'll be certainly linebacker will be one that hey, we haven't mentioned linebacker yet. We're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be. I mean, that'll be a topic throughout August. But I. Th- but you know, one two running back won't be, but competing for a spot in the rotation will be a running back, and it will be in uh, September October because one of those guys gets hurt. Yep. It, I hope it's not, I hope it's not Jafar Armstrong. Go, go ahead. Tim. ND Band ninety four of all the players that were not really able to participate this spring, this includes freshmen, injured players, etc. Who do you think can step up and make a difference in fall camp and the season? And I think there's two categories here: incoming freshmen and guys that were already there. Yeah. Well, we know incoming freshmen. We both have the same. Thought. Yeah, I mean Kyle Hamilton yeah. certainly. It would be a huge disappointment if he doesn't. I think Sean Crawford is a guy that didn't participate in the spring and. And is significant. I think you know just to hear. I mean, you have you have to if you hear Clark Lee talk about Jack Kaiser, you've got to believe that Jack Kaiser's got an opportunity to make an impact. I always feel. By the way, he's, that's he's, he's Vel- he, he just was named valedictorian of his high school See, class. Keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I still believe Jack Kaiser's down the road. I feel like he's a freshman I, that played at the smallest level in Indiana that has to beat out Owusu Koromoa, who's been doing it for three years, and he missed all the spring with a shoulder injury. So I think Clark Lee's evaluation is he's going to be good. Are you saying he's wrong? I, no, I'm no. saying he's wrong for 2019. I don't think 2019 I mean, is a I Kaiser think, year, uh, you know, logically. But I think it's great that they, he'd be a developmental guy in two years. I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. Um, for incoming freshmen that could make an impact. I mean, I've, I liked Osita Aquanu from the very beginning. Does that mean he's going to come in and compete for playing time and is going to be on the field at Georgia? I mean, probably not. I, I would think that we ended up liking the Jack Lamb and Jordan Jenmark Heath 
and possibly Shane Simon, you know, being there in the middle. I know we're not high on Asmar Bilal, but that's only because we've seen him too long. We know every single wart that exists. Yeah. We can see plenty of warts on these guys that have never played once they're in there against Georgia. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of like – I don't see Iquanu reaching the too deep at those two positions. I, I, I don't either. I think he's a good football player. Yeah. I think he's going to come in and we're going to say, you know what, that's a, that's a good football player. Someone right now is saying, what about K.J. Wallace at nickel? If you read Monday Musings yesterday, it's death, taxes, and Notre Dame's nickel getting drilled at some point in September and being put on the bench when he's a freshman. So you don't want to do that again. It was Elijah Shoemate, looked good briefly, benched. Cole Luke, looked good briefly, got run off the field at Purdue, benched. I think it's a good point because Mr. I think Griffith, he... benched. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's a good point because I think he has that skill set. I just think another future guy. That, that, could, that could translate. You know, Howard Cross, I'm fascinated to see what he can do. Um, I've kind of been all in that I yeah. think that he has a chance to be really good if he can overcome the stature issue, the frame issue. This is interesting because you were all in from the beginning, and I was all in after someone told me Howard Cross is going to play for us. During a during a chance meeting I, in March, we so. both we both heard the comment. Both, yeah, we both heard in. the comment. Uh, you were more involved in the yeah. conversation. I was eavesdropping, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I I I love the get off. I mean, it, you just don't see a, a get off the snap of the football as as good as him most of the time, and you know the the frame is is going to be the issue, and it's probably. He's probably not going to make an impact this year. He could get some time. It he was said time. he could get he some meant time. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, other guys, uh, Abdur Rahman, I think, is a guy just because of sheer speed. Sure, that's a one, that's a fun one for me. That we could all monitor that as fans, subscribers, and writers in August and say, "Huh, yeah, if you're better at that than other people are. You can get the job." No, right? uh, Leofau, I think, on special, special teams, teams is a good one. You know, but as we always say. Um, you, we can go to we can go to Culver and watch about twelve minutes of practice, and it's like, oh god, he's not ready. When we've been saying all along, yeah, that you know, so and so or so and so was ready. So it's you quickly learn once fall camp opens how far a freshman has to go most of the time. Would you agree that for the injured guys, best chance to make an impact is Sean Crawford, and then after that, well, you would go Kaiser probably over Vaughn, right? I'm going to go Vaughn because I always liked him if he's finally healthy because boundary's so open. No, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say Kaiser okay. over Vaughn in that situation. The big guys are hard to say because you got to really do a lot. You know, and Vaughn was, I mean, you know, he was hurt last year. He's been hurt a lot We're, since his yeah. freshman year. Yeah. That's the problem. He's He actually hasn't had a Sean Crawford injury history without them being season-ending. He just keeps getting hurt. He's broken his hand. He's had a neck injury. He's had a back injury where he couldn't finish practices. He had a torn labrum and played in the bowl game with it. I mean... That's a lot of injuries for a no, guy. No doubt, it's top top to bottom. Yeah. You know, pretty much of the uh, of the body. This is a long question. I don't have any water. I'm fighting this summer cold. I, I want will, you to I will read okay, it. I'll read it. It's from Stujo Eleven. You wrote a novel for us here. It seems as if ND spends each off season reacting to its biggest loss of the prior season. For example, 2012 equals we need a more complex defense. 2015-16, we need a sounder defense. That's the last time those two seasons should ever be put together, I would like to <laughs> put in there. 2017, we need to handle hostile environments, which is a good point. In 2018, we need better athletes, like the one we had three years earlier. It could be sound a sound practice to address your weaknesses, but it feels as though Notre Dame vacillates back and forth instead of establishing a consistent identity. Then there's a bunch of stuff about Kelly. But how do you feel about this? Uh, you you always want to be proactive as opposed to reactive, um, but I think 
and it's a good question. It is. And I'm not sure that we've gotten a question from Studio 11, and we we encourage you to 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 keep contributing. I think. I mean, doesn't every team do that? I mean, doesn't every team? You think Georgia's reevaluating after losing three times last year? You think Stanford's reevaluating after? Being incapable, yeah. Stanford being incapable of running the football last year. Horrible at it. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, even, and you had a point. I wanted you to express your point about Nick Saban in Alabama. Nick Saban want, thought that the up tempo offense should be banned because it's dangerous, and then he decided to embrace it. Because he had because to. Because he had to. It is, we live in the Notre Dame bubble. And I, I also want to say to Stu, Stu Joe here, a lot of this is the fan opinion, now, not the sounder defense. Notre Dame needed a sounder defense, and it was Brian Kelly's fault for not going out and getting a sounder defense between 15 and 16 and sticking, or even after 14, although it's hard to pull the plug on a guy after one year. Yeah. 2012, we need a more complex defense. You could have gone out there with the reinvention of Buddy Ryan's 46, and Alabama was still going to handle Notre Dame in that game. So I think that was Notre Dame. Look, the, the basic defense Bob Diaco played got them there. They didn't have a fifth defensive back for the last eight games of the year. I mean, it was basic, and it worked. Astonishing. It's amazing. Um, totally agree with the needing a sounder defense, but that's just that's just a fact. Yeah. And in 17, the hostile environment thing, look, they, they did harp on it all offseason. It feel like you shouldn't have to, almost. I realize it was a crazy environment, and it did do Notre Dame in for sure. The 2018, we need better athletes. I mean, I just think that had Julian Love not gotten hurt, Notre Dame would have lost a good game to Clemson. Yeah, the defense played yeah, played I, a I don't very think, sound game. I thought they had very good athletes against Clemson's great athletes, and then one they lost one of their best players. And remember, Aquara got hurt in that game. I mean, there were guys going out of that game that they could not afford to lose. So you have to be in the position where you can afford to lose some guys. For instance, Clemson lost their All-American nose tackle for the entire game. But I don't feel like they were... Uh, Clemson has better athletes, but you're not going to go recruit all those athletes necessarily. It's not 1991. No, it's not going to happen. I mean, but the question stands: it's better to be proactive than reactive. Yes. and I think in I think in most respects, Nordame is proactive. Uh, but when you have shortcomings and failings, you have to you, you self scout. You have to sit down and take a good hard look at yourself and say, okay, this is working. This is working. This worked, but now we have to adjust it. There aren't many teams. If you just live in that team's bubble, that don't have these issues. I, you could say last year's Clemson team didn't. Have these issues? I mean, they're they're really really good everywhere. They really it wasn't a dominant offensive line, but they didn't have an offensive line issue. Every running back they handed the ball to went for eight yards of carry. So yeah. obviously the offensive line was pretty good. Yeah, right. No, that's yeah, true. That's, you can nitpick at linebacker, they but could, they had an all ACC linebacker. They could press whatever they want, whatever button they wanted in that running game. Yeah, they. It's very few teams if you live in their bubble don't have it. These are all good points. Um, I don't. I do disagree that they needed much better athletes to be. I don't think they're out athleted against Clemson. I think they. I think Clemson was clearly the better team, but I feel like it would have been a, just a good regular. You kind of can be proud of the Notre Dame effort had Julian Love played that whole right, game. Right, right. Records thirty three hot. How confident are you that barring injury, Kevin Austin suits up and plays in all ga- all games this fall? Zero percent, not zero one percent chance. I would put on Kevin Austin playing in every single game this fall. The way Brian Kelly answered the question yesterday, I would go as high as twelve percent. <laughs> <laughs> but he says we're not ready to have that conversation. Yeah, I guess it goes I, back to being June, right? But. And I, and I just want to you know remind everybody here that we're not we're not basing this opinion totally on what Brian Kelly no, said the other no. day. I mean, it goes back to November. It goes back to all the smoke that 
has been billowing around Kevin Austin. There's a, there's a problem. We knew we'd see Kevin Austin second string before the first spring practice started and that he wasn't going to ascend to first string, and he didn't. That's because of how much offseason smoke there was around Kevin Austin. And we still, it is still not official. Like, no, it's, it's definitely not official. But there have been. It's odd that we have very reliable sources giving us different things that have happened, unless they're both true. Now, last year at this time, we were certain that Dexter Williams was going to miss four games, right, because of a second marijuana offense, right? Because we're, we know the rules. We're not. Cer- we're not certain of the length of the length of time that Kevin Austin would be out. No, not at all. And, and but, I, I don't think it's a four-game, I can say this, I don't think it's a four-game marijuana suspension because I would know that by now. You would know that by now. Correct. It's something, though. Also true, right? It's, it's something. <laughs> I think he'll play this fall. That should be the question. I think Kevin Austin will play games this fall. Uh, I, I do, too. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the question. No, it's I, not, but I'm just trying to no, make I mean, it so I less, know, less I, I know it's yeah. not here on the paper, but I, I think the... The the more realistic pressing question is: Will he be will he be playing at the start of the very start of the season? And we are doubtful of that right. at this point. Tdisu nineteen. What are your thoughts on Brendan Clark making around the number two QB position? It seems to me he might have a shot. If he throws the ball accurately, he's got a very good shot. If he if his accuracy is where Phil Phil Jerkovic's is, well, then it'll definitely be Jerkovic because he's been in the system and. I would I would expect him to have a better August than he had a April, yes. uh, just for the adver- for adversity's sake and and regrouping and going back and working hard and having the whole summer and you know but he's got to be accurate and if Brendan Clark's more accurate he'll have a chance. Do you agree with this? Two things have to happen: Brendan Clark has to be very accurate, and Phil Dracovic has to look like he did basically in the Blue Gold game a couple times in August. He's not going to look like that every day in August because he's too good of a football player for that. But let's say they have five meaningful scrimmages, and in two of them he has that much trouble with the pass rush and the ball's fluttering. Yeah, he's got to be way better than he was in the yeah. blue goal game. Now, the, you know, the red jersey and the blowing, the early blowing of the whistle and, and what have you, that, you know, because... He, it wasn't he, football for him. No, and he's a kid that, you know, at this stage of his development, when in doubt, he wants to take off. Yeah. That was the one thing he kind of said in his uh, defense when he was kind of beaten down during that interview. He said, look, that I need to be able to make some plays. Right. And then and you don't want to make excuses, so right. we didn't. He just wanted to announce, I would have left the pocket and, right. and run so for some th- yards. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. thinking, should I run because they're going to blow the whistle and they're going to blow me, you know, blow the play dead. That was a tough situation. I expect a, a, a better Phil Dracovic in August. Yes. How much better? will determine whether Brendan Clark has a legitimate shot at number two. C. Norman 83, which young wide receiver has the most long-term potential? Which will make us, Which will make the biggest impact this fall? I'm going to keep Young out of it because he's a junior, and I think natural development with maybe Uncle Young is a solid player. Yeah, I'm thinking in terms the of the, four, yeah, the, 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 the guys. Yeah. Uh, long-term potential is still for me, Austin, because he's so good. This fall... I think is keys because he can have the backup role to think in the slot. And I want to just put a word out for, because I know you're going to talk about Lindsay. I want to put a word out for Joe Wilkins that I can see a little bit of a Miles Boykin career for him where, hey, how come he didn't play as a sophomore? We thought he was good. And junior year, 
Where's Miles Boykin? And then all of a sudden, Boykin is making a couple plays, and then Boykin is making the play. No, and I, then Boykin's a senior. And he's I'm really not good. going to disagree with you. Okay. I like Joe Wilkins. I think Joe Wilkins' yeah. upside is very, very high. I feel like he needs a little more time, probably. Yeah. Now he was a little banged up yeah. coming into yeah. the spring, Which right? He had help. the knee. He had the knee coming into the spring. I like Joe Wilkins a lot. I think, I think in general, Notre Dame fans are underestimating Joe Wilkins. My answer to the question would be Kevin Austin because I think he has the highest upside. Um, I mean, in terms of long-term potential, as far as impact this fall, I would probably say Keys also. Um, we should discuss Lindsay because we both like him. But the and, problem with Lindsay, yeah, I mean, is I, that I, yeah, I think I think Lindsay still has a ways to go. I, I, in terms of development, I would still say Lindsay is fourth. Uh, but, he had, but I he like has that skill set that no one else. You does. know, he has a great yeah. skill set, and I and I say fourth, I like. I like what the other three have done slash are capable of doing. So it's not, it's more a reflection. Me putting Lindsay fourth is more a reflection of the other three I think are going to be good too. And I think it could be some recency bias on our part. We didn't get to see him the second half of the spring. He was making strides and all of a sudden he was out and all the other no, guys were playing. No doubt. No no doubt about it. And remember that, was it the very first practice we saw where it was kind of a deep ball over the middle and he just kind of reached up and snagged it? And yeah. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> What a play! So I mean, I don't, you know, I know, I know, we're probably not in a position to differentiate a whole lot among any of these four because they all look so promising in the spring. From Sigils, if Vince Vaughn popped out of a golden genie bottle and gave you one wish to magically turn one unproven, likely starter into a championship caliber player, who would that player be and why? My first question is: Did Vince Vaughn play a I'm genie? Did, did I trying, miss something? I missed it too. I'm trying to figure out what, what bad movie he played a genie in. <laughs> Because I haven't seen it. Man, the dude's, the dude's in a lot of movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, I don't remember him in a genie. The dude's in a, no, I don't. The dude's in a lot of movies playing the exact same role, isn't he? Yeah, he, does, he plays the role well. <laughs> and he was in Rudy, so we have a, a special place in our heart. But uh, I, I really think that it comes down to two players, Asmar Blau and Houston Griffith. Yeah, I have, I have one more. But okay. Yeah. Uh, like someone at the interior, either Jason Adamalola or oh, okay. Byron. Yeah, but I do believe they will be good anyway. Uh, but my my answer was Houston Griffith because then they have a secondary, a real championship secondary. Troy Pride is a really good player. But if Asmar Bilal emerged as like the leader of a young oh, linebacker gosh. core, yeah, that, would be... that would be. I mean, at least you have the other three veterans in the secondary. Right, right. I was it... writing off the possibilities, but that's the question. <laughs> so I shouldn't. Have... Yeah, that that would be. I mean, it's a great question because yeah. there there are a couple different levels there that you can answer that on. I googled Vince Vaughn and Genie, and nothing pops up. So the the internet machine just so, failed, either failed me or I just missed the movie. Or Sigels has some <laughs> yeah. obsession with Vince Vaughn. Sorry, man, I'm just kidding you. All right, last question. CMU Pens fan, everyone talks about the road game at Georgia being the massive hurdle this year for the Irish to clear if they are to make the playoffs again. However, what wor- however what worries you the most about the other looming hurdle that stands out there? The road game at night versus Michigan. That, yeah, that one scares. <laughs> yes. No. There's many things about that road game at night against Michigan. Uh, not just that Notre Dame rarely wins there. It's once, I believe, since 93. Charlie Weiss won in 2005. At a noontime game. Yeah, they've lost four in a row. And then prior to that, there. they lost in 03 and 99 and 97. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, except, except for the bleep, brief flurry of success that Lou Holtz had... 
they generally lose. They've str- they've struggled, and it is a much harder place to play now at night. The, it, it's cra- it's a, it's a crazy. I'm astonished place. how it's changed. It really has. It used to be the the fun joke is the hundred nine thousand quietest people you'll ever meet. Now it's about one hundred eleven thousand loud jerks, and it's really difficult yeah, to. That uh, is play going there. to be an absolute war with everything, with yeah. all the water under the bridge, with McGregor. The, and you didn't even need McGregor, but it's no, it's, you didn't need McGregor. Either. It was yeah. interesting when the McGregor news broke. Um, just the man that there's vitriol. The, the vitriol that. that Notre Dame fans have for Michigan. I mean, I look. I grew up. Oh, I, I didn't grow up in it. The Notre Dame Michigan played for the first time in my late teens, but from then on, uh, it's been ferocious, and it is as ferocious now as it's ever been. I grew up in it. <laughs> I was yeah. seven when they resumed the year, six when they resumed the series, and every year Notre Dame Michigan started the football season for me. Um, I'm 0 6, by the way, if people don't want me to go in the big house. 0 6. That's pretty bad, man. You, are, you, are, <laughs> you, will, you have a strong following. You will definitely be reminded of that. Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I think Georgia's a harder win because they're a better team, and the atmosphere is going to be crazy, and they're always nuts, and they're going to be drunk, and Notre Dame's. First big test on the road with some young guys that got to perform. But Michigan is going to be a, if you have one loss or no loss Notre Dame, and one loss or no loss Michigan, it is going to be a awesome old school college football game. Now, the crowd won't be like that at Stanford, but Notre Dame's lost five in a row there. And if there is a lot at stake, you know. Yeah, that it could be one way at stake. And by that I mean As Stanford, it was in 2015. Right. Stanford could be a nice quality 8-3 and three team. And it's not as much at stake as Notre Dame could have if they're going in there with one loss. Right. It, it's hard to win those games. But I think Michigan's a harder game situation than Stanford this year. Oh, I, no, I mean, yeah. I totally agree with that. But, um, you know, there, I, I just can't, as, as, as I've said many, many times, especially the first week of June, I just can't sit here and say, Virginia, automatic win. USC at home? Oh, yeah, they're going to plow them. I, I just, I, no, Stanford, I don't Stanford's down. Oh, yeah, they're going to win at Stanford. I just can't. Virginia, I don't know the Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech still. It's after Michigan. Yeah. That's not that fun. No. I, you beat Michigan to be ranked number four, let's say, and you have Virginia yeah. Tech coming in. Bowling Green? No, that'll be no, Bowling Green. Good. New Mexico? That'll be New Mexico. There is no home game, though, that is more worrisome than the road game at Stanford. It's the third most troubling game, I would say. Do you agree? Um. I, I know Steve Adazio, and he is a crazy human being. He is he is a man possessed. I knew him when he was here at Notre Dame, and I've seen him. He's he's settled down. You oddly follow his career too. You watch he, a lot of Boston College. Yeah, I do. I seem to. <laughs> I seem to. I just he is such a physical. He is a physical first coach, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up. You know, you talk about what what you grew up in, and I mean, Eric Parsegian and the running game. Covering Lou Holtz in the running game, the guy that beat Lou Holtz in '93. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, playing Boston College in the 11th week of the season at the end of November mm-hmm. when the weather could be bad, and he's going to be playing power football. Now, by then, Boston College should be pretty beaten down. They don't have the depth that Notre Dame does. But AJ Dillon, the running back. Yeah, so you're you, you're putting that close to the Stanford one, right? Just in terms of the I just situation. Think the situation. If there's a lot of pressure yeah. and it's the last home game and it's cold and in comes Boston College with Adazio motivating the hell out of his yeah. football team, it concerns me, yeah. The one thing, my dissenting thing for that, I agree with all you say, 
some teams have more playmakers than Boston College. And no, I think no, playmakers no. can get you once in a while. And depth, well, yeah. by that stage of the season, that's where it really starts to bite yep. them, and it's more difficult for them. And by, and and think about if if I mean think about how the players are tired of Adazio by that stage of the season. <laughs> it's true. a long yeah. <laughs> season with Steve Adazio, but he's a great motivator. We have gone on and on. We are going to take a two week or actually a thirteen day break. That's what we're scheduled for June seventeenth, Monday. I uh, don't know if we'll have a full crew by then. but Sounds uh, like it, though. It sounds yeah. like, yes, it does sound like we'll have a full uh, full booth here for the podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll talk to you in 13 days. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.